Welcome to Fragmented, Redefining Womanhood. We are redefining womanhood one step and one story at a time. For those who can identify with the stay-at-home mom, the working woman, the budding or burnt-out entrepreneur, the transitioning or transitioned female, this podcast was designed and built to support and provide community for women from all walks of life. A place to provide peace, solace, and healing. A place where you can truly and authentically be you. Welcome to the piece of motherhood, I guess. I don't know. The motherhood piece? That's better. The motherhood piece. We're yes. talking about being a mom. Yes, we are. Uh, motherhood, but not just being a mom. Mm-hmm. Motherhood has lots of different hats. It does. Absolutely. So you could... So I actually looked up, Sarah, what the definition of mother was um and that would be wonderful if I had it <laughs> oh no I don't have my phone it's over there it's way way over there <laughs> it's okay but I think another another thing that we also want to talk about while you're getting the definition of motherhood was um what motherhood means is it just a woman that gives birth to a baby and it's not and this is definitely something that we're talking about in a later podcast about womanhood and femininity and gender gender and gender roles and all of those things. Um, uh, this is definitely a topic that I'm very new to. Um, so if I sound ignorant or I'm not getting it right, I'm sorry. That's not my intention. We just want to be more inclusive. Um, so womanhood and mother motherhood can be defined as a woman that gives birth. It can also be a transgender man that gives birth. It can be, um, a lesbian couple that, um, one's carries and the others are the mother right um donor they have a donor a donor yes um there are so many different facets adoption adoption i don't know if you mentioned that one i did not but yes fostering fostering Mm -hmm. yep surrogacy ah surrogacy yes that's another one Mm -hmm. um okay so leave it to me to fudge up the podcast within the first two seconds but here (laughs) we go so i wanted a definition of mother because i wanted to have like a what does the Webster's Dictionary consider a mother as a point of reference? So the noun version is a woman in relation to her child or children. The verb of mother is bring up a child with care and affection um, or give birth to. So you can either biologically be a mother, you're giving birth to another human, or you are bringing up a human um, to the best of your ability. Mm So that's kind of what the definition of motherhood, not kind of, it is what the definition of motherhood is. Um, But I just wanted to give a little bit of my experience as a new mom. So I am a newbie at this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I ever will, but um, Sarah's a little bit more seasoned Mm -hmm. in her motherhood. Um, She has three children. She's been doing it for a long time. Me, I have a two-year-old and I don't know what I'm doing. So anyway, the other day, I was going to take my daughter out to the park and she had her Coco Melon JJ doll. And if you were a mom with a child under the age of five, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Coco Melon. It's the death of me. Um, but anyway, so she had that and she had her um, iPad. And so I had to run up the stairs really quick to go grab the keys. And so she had those two items on the couch and one of them must have fell and hit her on her kind of cheekbone by her eye. And she cried and I, I knew it was like, oh, I really hurt myself cry. I could tell. Um, and so I ran downstairs and her eye was getting a little bit red, not her eye, but like, you know, the little cheekbone next to it was getting a little bit red. And I was like, oh my 
God, did she fracture her <laughs> cheekbone? Is her she gonna have a black eye? Does she need reconstructive surgery? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, just Becky. I calmed her down. She's happy. She's got her doll. She's got her donut, whatever. Um, and she's in. We're in the backseat of the car. I'm like, I'm just gonna go to the park anyway. We're just gonna go to the park anyway. And and if it worsens or something, then I can just turn around and come home. But she was really excited to go. So I call Sarah on the way to the park, and I'm like. I tell her what happens and I'm like, Sarah, so like, should I bring her to the doctor? You think I need to make a doctor's appointment for her? Like, do you think I should just like <laughs> take, take her to the emergency room? Yeah. I'm like, should I take her now or should I just like wait and see what happens? And you were like, very calmly, you were like, <laughs> you were like, um, is she bleeding? I was like, no. You're like, does she need stitches? I was like, no. You're like, is she really upset? Like crying? Like she's in pain? I was like, no. And she's like, then I think you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think baby May is okay. She's baby May is okay. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's my newbie experience to motherhood. Um. So anyway, Sarah, what? Let's let's hear your story about becoming a mom. You're a mom of three. You're a working mom of three. Um. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I became a mom when I was 20. Um, it was definitely a surprise. I found out I was pregnant. I was 19. I was five months pregnant. That's a whole other story. Um, the father and I had been, uh, broken up for a while. So I was a single mom for a few years and then I married my ex-husband and we had two other children. So I have a 15 year old, a six year old and an eight year old. Um, I remember the age gap being exciting at first because, the seven-year-old could take care of the babies and um, <laughs> like help change diapers. But then it was like when um, the youngest was still in diapers, um, the oldest was going through puberty. So that was definitely, <laughs> that was you definitely had, like, really interesting. both ends of the spectrum happening <laughs> yes. at that time. It was very interesting. So, I mean, I've done it all. I was a single mom that worked um, and was working at the corporate ladder at the time that I met my ex-husband. Um, and then after getting pregnant with our second child, I, um, came home and was a stay at home mom. I was determined that I was going to be a stay at home mom because when my oldest was born, I had to go back to work, uh, and they were three weeks old. Um, and I just wanted that time to be home. Like, what was it like? Like, what was it like to actually be there for those moments when they're babies? I didn't know how to experience it. And like, honestly, I can remember being like very young being, I was basically an only child. My older siblings were much older than me. So I was home alone often. Um, I remember thinking I'm going to have 12 children. I am going to get married and have 12 children. That's an ambitious number <laughs> I know. for anybody. I know. I was just like, <laughs> I am going to do it. Um, I would grew up in a church and I just remember there was like those families that had like, you know, their own dozen. And I was like, <laughs> I want that for my life. And then here I was, you know, with a seven-year-old and a newborn, and I came home from work. I left my job, um, my career, actually, to come home and stay home, and I was miserable. Like, I was so happy to be there for those moments, but I was really bored. Um, I also had a lot of pressure from a lot of different facets that, like, I needed to have, like, a real job. Mm. I need to have a real job. Like, even though I, I was doing an MLM and I was successful at my MLM, like I was making decent money, but when are you going to get a real job? Mm. <laughs> so anyway, so then fast forward, have another baby. And then, um, we start this business. Um, and I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so we start this business and the business starts growing quickly. It was like so unexpected. Um, and then I was like, okay, well I have to go back to work. Um, which 
just consisted of our youngest daughter, Winnie, um, having to go to daycare two days a week. And um, I was had so much guilt about, about going back to work. It was just too much. You um, had a lot of guilt around uh, your daughter going to daycare for two days a week. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was the worst mom. She was going to be a degenerate <laughs> child. Because she was going to daycare for two days a week because I wasn't going to be there. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, all of, all of the, she was all gonna, those things. going to become a rapster's girlfriend or something, right? Yes. Not that that's inherently bad, but yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so that's just where my thoughts went, and it was just bad. Um, and then so I had to adjust, and honestly, she's six now, and I think that I still have a lot of guilt around being a working mom. Um, I do share custody with my ex-husband their dad like 50 50 so um I get the youngest to 50 percent of the time so when they're not there um I'm just working like Mark and I are my fiance are literally just working like hours on end mm-hmm. um and then when they are there I want to be as present as possible but then I feel like I'm st- I'm still not being present enough mm-hmm. so like mom guilt and shame is real no matter what sort of mom you are whether you're a stay-at-home mom working mom single mom whatever like it's there and I know so much of it is because of the perpetuation of it within society and social in social media mm-hmm. and Pinterest don't even get me started with Pinterest <laughs> like I, I love mm-hmm. Pinterest but like I remember when I was pregnant with our middle son Jackson I was convinced because I was a stay-at-home mom I was going to be a Pinterest PTA mom and I was just going to be awesome um well, you're happen. still awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this idea like that's, and that was like right at like the peak of like social media, like really blowing up for motherhood. A lot of mommy influencers started happening. Um, and a lot of like, you know, how to be a Pinterest mom essentially. And I was mm-hmm. like, if I'm not this person, then what, you know, like if I'm not this sort of mom, what am I even doing as a stay at home mom? Like mm-hmm. what, are, you know, um, like there was a role that you had to play. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which was expected of me, honestly, in my last relationship. I remember when I mentioned that I wanted to become a stay-at-home mom and he said, like, you're not gonna sit home and eat bonbons all day. So then I just had like this idea in my head, like, okay, well, like, if the chores aren't being done, the house isn't clean, if these things aren't being taken care of, like I'm not only not doing my job as a mother or as a wife or a caretaker or a housemaker. Um that I'm just not raising my children right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I decided to start a business <laughs> mm-hmm. because I was bored. Because I literally, I, I love my children, but I stay-at-home momhood was not my calling. You need another outlet. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. I'm just curious, and I don't want to go too off topic here, but what was it about entrepreneurship as opposed to doing something else like getting a hobby, right? So like mm-hmm. someone might say, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm not feeling fulfilled. So I'm just going to go start like a, I don't know, a group, a, a book club or something. But you were like, no, entrepreneurship was really in your soul, wasn't it? Yeah. Like since I was seven, I actually started a business when I was seven, like called the wake, it was a wake up call service. Like I literally went around to my neighbors. This was like way before like cell phones mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like how do you feel about me at my really hi I'm seven <laughs> like, and I'm gonna call you at like f- five o'clock in the morning and wake you up and like my neighbors thought I was fucking crazy <laughs> I think I had like two people do it anyway since I was like seven like I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and in some way like I'm all of my jobs always led to that too I was either like a boss or um like a manager of a store mm. that I was fully in charge of like I had a boss above me but I was still in charge of it um, and then after I came home and I, and I started working for myself, I was like, I'm never working for another person ever again. Um, so I think yeah. the reason why I'm asking you that and why it's relevant is because, um, 
you know, this is something that was in your soul for a really long time. This isn't something that you just stumbled upon and was like, oh, I'm just all of a sudden one day going to become an entrepreneur. This is something that's been going on for you for a lifetime, really. Yeah. And so it was something in your soul. And so I, I feel like that's relevant moving forward in figuring out who you are as a person, as a mother, and and what you want to do with your life is obviously relevant to how you will raise your children and be a mother. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. And like my identity at the time that I decided to start another business that ended up like blowing up was that I was a mother and I thought that was my only identity. And I think, and, and honestly, it's been like that since I was like 20. And I think as I grow as a person and as I age, um, gracefully, <laughs> I think that, of course, <laughs> um, no, I know that I'm understanding so much more that like motherhood is not your only identity. And I think that is the misconception. And one of my favorite quotes is probably from Glennon when she does that whole entire episode or the whole entire uh, chapter on Untamed about like, there's this misconception that motherhood is martyrdom. Um, and that was literally me. I was mm. literally like, well, if I'm not sacrificing enough of myself, then I'm not being a good mother, which mm -hmm. is like literally the biggest mistake that we can make for our children mm -hmm. because then they have a misconception and an idea that like mommy is all, will be all, can do and fix all and be all. And they never learn how to have their own like legs and their own mm. thoughts and their own like way to work through things um, because we're just trying to do it all for them. And then we're perpetuating that sort of thing within their mind of the kind of parent or partner that they're supposed to have when mm -hmm. they grow up. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want that. I wanted my yeah. children, children to see me succeed on my own. And, and I don't think you're specifically taught speaking to a stay-at-home or working no. mom. Your narrative is just a very generalized narrative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, do you feel that you would be a slave to martyrdom as in motherhood? Is that something that you felt that you were doing or have done? Or are you just like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I um, the, the pinpoint of origin of that uh, is, you know, topic for another day. But um, in regards to feeling like, oh, if I'm a martyr, I'm being a good mother. Mm. Um, so my journey into motherhood, um, is a little bit different. Yeah. I did not have a child till I was much later, uh, much older in life. So I wasn't, I got married when I was 30. Um, and my husband and I, I, I moved to New York and I was like, yay, like I'm all, I've had my career through my twenties. I've done it all. And now I'm so ready to like, you know, be a mom and do all the things. And so I thought when I was going to have children that I was going to want to stay home. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to want to clean the house and cook dinner and, and be all motherly. And I do like to do those things sometimes. On your own time. On my own time. Yeah. Um, but that is not. So I think I was surprised at myself when I had a child and I was like, oh, that's not what I want to do. But I thought when I had the child that that is what I was going to want to do. So you're telling me all the things that I thought of my life is a lie. Like not a lie, but like was wrong. Like all the things that I was told I was going to be and how I was going to be a mom. Was yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was really eye opening. Mm -hmm. I mean, like not a little bit, like a lot of it. So, um, yeah, it was. So I had um, an infertility journey, which is like a whole other topic. Um, but I'll, infertility, I just want to say for anyone who wants to become a biological mother and is having issues with that, it is for real a struggle. Mm -hmm. Like it is. And I would say more than anything, I mean, obviously it's a physical struggle, but it's like an emotional struggle. So here we are as these women going through our periods and, you know, our bodies pr 
preparing to bear children mm-hmm. and then your body just doesn't it's mm-hmm. like and stop mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like it's just it's so heart-wrenching mm-hmm. um and, and and it's a really hard thing to explain it's kind of one of those if you've walked through it you can, you can understand thing um although i'm sure people empathize so anyway i did end up getting pregnant through an iui mm-hmm. um let's make sure i'm saying that. i'm like iud iui what are all the <laughs> like, so i had a procedure done my husband and i and that was after i had surgery he had to get surgery long story short we find and then i had a bunch of complications during my pregnancy anyway we finally had my baby girl she's my mm-hmm. little miracle baby i love her to death oh my goodness um little miss may we call her baby may baby may that was but, totally <laughs> yeah so so sarah's daughter thinks that may is her daughter like yeah, they, she yeah, does. yeah. Mm-hmm. um and so anyway i'm like so when can winnie babysit again <laughs> only a few more years <laughs> just a few more years she's only in elementary school so yeah. um anyway yeah so I, when i became a mother um well actually I, to rewind a little bit when i was eight months pregnant um my husband and i had a vacation rental that we had up and started we had the flower business. Um, he, we had the homestead, and he was working a nine to five. And when I say nine to five, it was really like more ten to twelve hour days. Um, and so I was eight months pregnant out in my flower studio, and we were about to have a baby. And I am like, you know, some. He came home from work one day, and we just chatted. And my stomach is out to the table, and I'm just like, uh, something has to give. And he's like, totally has to give. So what we ended up giving up, and what we chose to give up, excuse me, was um, his nine to five job or his 10 hour work days. Um, and so that we can pursue some of the other things that we really wanted to do. So yeah, um, becoming an entrepreneur, um, full entrepreneur, eight months pregnant, um, sounded like a good idea at the time. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if we would have had the push any other way Mm because we were like, okay, now we have to, you know, a baby is going to be here and we need to like create room and space for this. So anyway, um, I remember being the pressure and, some of the pressure I put on myself, but some of it was real pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. because now it's like, I'm going to be, you know, even though we're doing the business together, I'm really the face of the floral business. And so, you know, the getting the work is really my, even though he helps me with the work, getting the work. Um, so anyway, I remember being in the hospital bed and it was less than 12 hours after giving birth. And I was checking my emails to see if anyone, well, I did, I had people who were inquiring and I'm trying to, you know, get back to people when I can so I can have a full wedding season for the following year. Mm. Lo and behold, I did not know COVID was going to be happening. So not only did we have full entrepreneurship, but then we had to navigate it through a pandemic and a new baby, you know, no big deal. Um, Do it all at once. Just do it all at once. It's not like you're taking on one thing with a baby. We'll just do it all. Yeah. Yeah, We'll just throw everything in the pot and see what happens. Um, So yeah, that was really hard. And I remember like writing proposals and doing all the behind the scenes things with my little baby girl strapped onto me at like a month old in order to keep this thing up and running that my, you know, my husband and I had created. Um, and I, that was really hard. And so in retrospect, I don't know if I would have done it any other way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, it, it played out how it was supposed to play out like that. That's just how I feel about it. But so side note, does you always want to be an entrepreneur? I did not know that until I had a child, and the answer is yes. Okay. So I've always kind of been bossy. <laughs> Any of my friends no. who are listening to this podcast don't know what I'm talking about. Absolutely not. No. I, don't, I don't see it. <laughs> that was a sarcasm. I'm sorry, guys. You can't see my face. But. <laughs> when I say bossy, I mean very driven. I've always been very driven. I've always been really creative, and I've always been um, 
Like I can't just, I, I couldn't just be a floral designer. I had to be head designer, you know, like just that type of thing. It was always like taking everything to the next level. And so, um, it wasn't until I opened my own business and had a daughter that I was like, I don't ever want to go work, go work for anyone else. Um, and this is what I want to do. And I loved it. I loved what I was doing. I am not saying I regret it or I should or shouldn't have done it. I loved what I was doing. So, um, you traded the nine to five for 24 seven. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's funny because there's like, and I know this is another like day, but like there's always a trade off with entrepreneurship because there is freedom and being able to write your own schedule and decide how much you want to get paid and all that stuff, especially with what we do Mm -hmm. because we're creatives. Um, but then there's the like, okay, I don't have a nine to five. I'm just working all the time. Yeah. And I'm thinking about it all the time. Yeah. So that's the one thing that I don't think anyone told you as an entrepreneur is that your brain does not shut off. Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I had this new baby and I was like, you know, trying to do all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if I have a baby, I'm supposed to clean the house. I'm supposed to cook dinner. I'm supposed to do all the, you know, traditional mom role things. Ooh, gender roles. Is that what we're going to get into? Yeah. Um, and so... I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Now, my husband and I have a very unique relationship in that we are business partners and we do 50-50. My husband is very domesticated. And so he will cook and he will clean and he will do all the things and we'll split things down the middle 50-50, whether it's business or household. Mm -hmm. And you know what I get a lot of, which drives me crazy? They're like, you're so lucky to have a man who cooks. And I'm like, he's so lucky to have a wife that can run a business. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, is your, is your husband watching the baby? No. Taking care of his child, his child. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like all that, all that. Um, but he is a really good cook by the way. Um, so anyway, (laughs) we just kind of split all of our roles down the middle. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, in the beginning, I thought I was supposed Mm -hmm. to do it all. Like I was supposed to do all the household stuff. I was supposed to take care of the baby. I was supposed to, um, so then with this entrepreneurship journey, um, we hit COVID and with that, I had to navigate a business, um, not just the year of COVID, but the year after COVID was really, really difficult in the wedding industry. And so I did not get to spend as much time as I would have liked to with my daughter last Mm -hmm. year. Um, and so I did make the decision moving forward this year that I was going to set boundaries around the business that allowed me to spend more time with my family and do all the things, but it was a learning experience and it was a learning curve. And so to kind of have, trying to navigate new motherhood, um, owning and running a business and trying to keep it successful and sustainable, um, all at the same time. So I had to take a step back and really evaluate what being a mother meant. Like, what does it actually mean? It doesn't mean just doing the laundry and cleaning the floors and cooking dinner. And just on a side note, I've always been really jelly of the moms who are so fulfilled by that. Like the Mm -hmm. stay at home moms, it's like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So like if you're a stay-at-home mom, when are you going back to work? Mm-hmm. If you are a working mom, oh, how come you're not spending enough time with yeah. your children? And it's just mm-hmm. like, who, who is writing this narrative right. in society? Can Because can someone shut them up? Yeah, can we stop <laughs> playing that tape? But I also think when, what like to kind of further put on what you were saying is um, you had to find your own definition and what worked for your family. Mm-hmm. And I the one thing that probably drives me the most insane is that within mom culture in general is the mom on mom hate. Mm. Like if I'm not doing things, 
I'm not saying that all moms are like this. This is not what I'm saying. But it is definitely is something that I honestly think started with patriarchy because like we're not supposed to work together. But like when vulnerability leads to community, mm. <laughs> when moms are actually working in a community environment, and there's studies that are done on this, and we could totally go down like this rabbit hole of like how when we were being raised, there was a community of mothers that helped raise children like what's the saying it takes a village it takes a village and it was literally a village that was like raising children together like I remember going to my neighbor's house and like being at their house and it was just like this camaraderie that was warmed welcomed and accepted and then somehow over the years with like technology and with divisiveness and within like um internet and social media like there isn't a community anymore there's no more village mm-hmm. like people are literally out there on their own like doing it which has created so much toxicity within like mom groups and within other like motherhood situations but like if I'm not doing something or if I'm doing something as a mother that you don't agree with keep it to yourself like mm-hmm. if it's not directly causing issues or like safety problems or actual abuse with my children just keep it to yourself like just because my family dynamic looks different than yours doesn't mean that it's wrong and every family needs to come up with their own definition of what things look like like for you like you were saying about gender roles and the load the household load chores if that's what works for your family that's great and if it doesn't work for somebody else and you have an open communicative conversation with your partner about what works best for you then do what works best for you mm-hmm. what we're saying isn't like the end all be all it's what works for us mm-hmm. and everybody mm-hmm. has their own dynamic amen right? amen to that mm-hmm. and so being a working mom i am you know figuring out ways to have that quality time with my daughter and there's the age-old argument quality versus quantity Mm -hmm. and you could there's been studies done on both sides so again you know you can argue either way but at the end of the day you have to do what works for you absolutely um and so yeah I feel like I am a really good mom Mm -hmm. and and not you're an amazing mom by the way amazing um and because I try Mm because I'm not saying I'm a perfect mom let's Mm -hmm. get that shit straight right now mm. I am not a perfect mother nobody is no no um but I am a mom that tries mm-hmm. and shows up mm-hmm. and even when I don't want to and she is a very happy girl mm-hmm. right now she's little I mean I we still have a ways to go but um no I, I definitely feel like I am very conscious now of not you know throwing myself into work from because of fear or you know all the things anyway Bringing it back to motherhood. So, um, Sarah. Yeah. How have you integrated your motherhood while being a working mom? Like, how mm-hmm. is it that you have... So, before you told us that you work pretty much 24-7 when your children are not there, and then when your children are there, that you try really hard to be present. Yeah. So, with all of that, and I don't want to get too up too off topic but I think it's relevant like how do you find time for yourself Mm -hmm. because finding time for yourself and filling your cup is Mm -hmm. also what makes a really good mom Mm -hmm. and I think that there's this misconception which is the martyrdom that we were talking about before give 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 Mm -hmm. to your children or to your family um and no time for yourself. So so what do you do? Like, how do you balance it? If you balance it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, I don't know the answer to that, Becky. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, I think that one thing that I've learned after this last year, like you were saying, 2021 was a bitch for wedding vendors, I think. And it was like a massive year of burnout for me. I'm We're still 
finishing our season because you know we're still editing and um but at the same time it was a lot of lessons and understanding that balance literally doesn't exist and I think that when I accepted that like balance doesn't exist it doesn't exist like there's no way that like if you're doing one thing it's going to take away from something else and it's not going to be 50 50 and that's okay what I know dude mind blown right now <laughs> I'm just like oh you mean so I don't have to be perfect is what you're saying yeah, no absolutely not you don't have to be perfect right so like isn't but don't we associate balance like be a balanced mom right yeah. like doesn't that, isn't, There's that's, just so, that's just an extra pressure that's been being put on us by society. And then that narrative is so fucking toxic. Mm. Like you need to have balance here. You need to fill up your cup. You need to take care of yourself and then take care of your children. And then if you're taking too much away from your children, then they're going to blah, 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 blah. And I think one of the things that I definitely learned in 2021, um, and honestly in the last few years, cause I had started going to therapy when my marriage started falling apart was that, um, I'm probably going to get emotional when I start talking about this. Um, it's okay. I, I didn't like the way that I was being a mother. I didn't like in the way in which I was. I was very authoritarian um, because that's what I knew, and that's how I was raised. And I was very like, no, you're doing this because I said you're doing this, whatever. And then when I started working through therapy, I went to therapy thinking that I was going to therapy about my marriage, but it ended up being about my trauma from my childhood. And um, how it affects your parenting now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that hit me really hard. And then I started reading about um, respectful parenting, gentle parenting. There's a bunch of different terms um, that, but and I, I'm not. I don't want to say that I'm one of them. I I think I kind of took pieces from other, like all of these different things to kind of just figure out what's best for me and my own personality and the way that I function, and also for my kids. Um, but um, learning a better way to parent while I was mothering myself in therapy and taking care of myself and my needs that I didn't realize were missing um, from my childhood. I, I, I learned to be a better mother. What does that mean? Was that, was that too vague? I don't know. No, I understand what you're trying to say. Right. So, um, I mean, I was able to dig into a lot of like trauma that I had from my childhood and a lot of pain I felt from, um, my parents and I, f I, I feel very open to talk about this because I've had this conversation with my mom um, and that a lot of what was missing was what was missing in my parenting and the way that I was mm. I was kind of closing myself off from them um, and when I realized that like emotionally like I was I was I was there and I loved them but I wasn't fully available to them because I was like putting up a wall like I was scared well you weren't fully there for yourself right so when I started oh I'm like breathing heavy because this is really I'm feeling very vulnerable right now guys because <laughs> why are, vulnerability creates community <laughs> Um, so when I started um, just opening up in therapy about all of those things um, that were hurting me and I didn't realize they were hurting me I realized that I could be a better mother mm -hmm. to my children um, and it's almost like I was sleepwalking through my motherhood like it was like mm -hmm. this this task like it was a, I loved being a mother but it was like this is what I'm supposed to do because this is how I was told I was supposed to live and then this is how it you know um, and then all of a sudden it was like I put glasses on for the first time and I like woke up and I was like, well, there's a better way to do this. That's, that's crazy. Um, and amazing at the same time. And then, um, <clears throat> with my oldest, 
because they'd been there through all, all of it, you know, all the different stages of me being a single mom and a married mom, a divorced mom, a remarried mom, like all of those things. Um, and our relationship was so broken. Um, and then they started therapy. I was in therapy. And then I, we just really like came together and have a so much better understanding of each other and who we are as people and we communicate better. Um, and there was a moment where we were talking and um, it was really, like a really deep conversation and they brought up that they can see the change in me as a mom and that I'm much more patient and understanding. And um, it was just really beautiful. And then, oh, I'm sorry. Um. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so amazing, Sarah, because it's like the underlying um, or bottom line, I should say, of, of what I'm hearing you say is basically once I learned how to parent myself and deal mm. with my childhood trauma, mm. I was able to be a better mom. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, that's definitely. Woo! That's tough stuff and right there. So hard, and I think that's what we do as parents, too. Like one of the hardest things was changing the way that I parent from being authoritarian to more a little, little more authoritative and like more gentle mm -hmm. and like not. And, and uh, this is so crazy. This seems like such a like normal, like validating my children's feelings and what they're having mm. and like letting them express themselves. And I was always a free spirited child, but I wasn't allowed to express myself. But I remember mm -hmm. when Winnie was born, I was like, no, this girl has a free spirit and she's like my wild child. But I love that about her. And I never want to squash that light out of her. Mm. I never want to do that to her. And I just like when I started like kind of changing that narrative in my mind that it's like OK for them to be who they are. Like I don't need them to be anything specific for me to love them. And I don't need them to be a certain way except for themselves. And I started changing the way that I parented. Like, I feel like so much shifted, not just within me, but also within them. Um, and there's just this freedom within them mm. to like fully speak who they are, which <laughs> also as a parent can be very frustrating when you're like trying to discipline or like you're trying to have a conversation. Like allowing them to be themselves also means that you have to regulate yourself. Because mm. sometimes they'll, it'll bring up like triggers or things from like your childhood that are very hurtful. So a lot of my parenting, I feel like I'm constantly like, <sighs> <laughs> taking deep breaths, going yeah. into the bathroom and shutting the door and locking it for five minutes. Yeah. 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 It, it, something as simple as like even just giving them space to be themselves and to express themselves and to validate their feelings can honestly be really fucking hard because mm -hmm. like. I just want to be like, no, that's stupid that you feel that way. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm being very honest right now. Like that definitely happens. And I do have to go into the bathroom and like take a breath and like, or Mark will look at me and be like, like we literally have this eye language when we're dealing in a really hard parenting situation where I just need to look at him and he just gives me this look. And I realize that I'm like about, I'm being very reactive, which is a trauma response mm -hmm. and I'm not being responsive. And I like need to like take a step. So there's a lot of conversations with all of my children where it's like, this conversation isn't going in a very good direction. So I think it's best if we table this for right now and come back to it. Mm -hmm. um, Isn't that, it's kind of funny as you're talking about the eye thing. I'm like, is that something that just happens when you become an adult? You're allowed to like speak through your eyes, like, cause you're doing it with your partner, but other moms do it. Like we, we do it in this yes. podcast. Like we totally give each other the eyes and let's like, <laughs> once you're adult, it's, it's like, language. you know how to speak through your eyes. It's yes. like really cool. So that's how, you know, you reached adulthood. Yeah. Um, 
but actually I also wanted to talk about, I love what you're talking about, by yes. the way, it's absolutely beautiful. And thank you so much for like yeah. sharing your story and being vulnerable and, and being open enough to yeah. share that because I know it was, it's extremely helpful for me too. But I was going to, I was going to kind of put it on you a little bit too, because you had mentioned that like you also started going to therapy after you became a mom mm. um, and what that transition was like for you within all of that. Cause I feel like we honestly, one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast too, is because we had so many conversations about the motherhood portion of like learning mm-hmm. to be there for our children in different ways. Yeah. So I think that there are some old school, um, narratives that no longer, um, work nowadays. And some of those narratives were, I feel like definitely put on me <clears throat> from different facets in my life. And it was very, very, it's still, it's getting easier, but it was very difficult for me in the moment to say, you know what? No, that's how you would do it. Mm-hmm. Not how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And to be able to just be okay with them not being okay with yeah. me and mm-hmm. the decisions that I've made. Um, and the, the miracle that's come out of that is feeling like the fact that I could sit across from you right now and say, I'm a good mom is a miracle yes. because when I first had my daughter, I was like, I'm not doing all the things that I'm supposed to do. And I'm, you know, if I was a good mother, you know, what's the definition of a good mother, which is definitely something I want to touch on. Um, but I was told what the definition of a good mother was rather mm. than me figuring out and learning what mm-hmm. a definition of a good mother was. Um, so it was like, oh, like, you know, I did it this way or so-and-so did it that way. And so that's how you should be doing it. Stop shooting yourself, Becky. Don't shoot on yourself. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it has taken a lot for me to get mm-hmm. to a place where I can actually sit here and say, you know, I... I'm a good mom and I am a business owner and I am, you know, um, all the things, all the Mm -hmm. things that I've wanted to do and wanted to be, I can be a really good mom Mm -hmm. and have a business. I can be a really good mom Mm -hmm. and still have girlfriends. Mm -hmm. I can be a good mom and still, you know, need my space and Mm -hmm. my time away from my child as long as well as with my child. Mm -hmm. And I don't need the guilt or the martyrdom or or all the things that come with other people's expectations. Here's Mm -hmm. your expectation. You can have it back. I'll even put it in a box with a bow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, this is your stuff, not mine. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm getting a little heated about it too. No, it's okay. I actually want to like kind of talk about this a little bit because that's something I think that I experienced for a long time too, was the expectations of other people and their perception of how I should be a mother was such a huge leading factor for me as a mother until I started figuring out my own shit. Mm-hmm. And it was then that I started figuring out my own shit that I realized like, okay, I actually know what I'm doing and I know mm-hmm. how to be a good mother. But with that being said, um, that also is normally a dynamic that we have with our own mother and our own parents. Um, Segway. <laughs> I'm hearing a segue. I know. <laughs> um, and also another thing that Glennon Doyle talks about in Untamed is that dynamic shift in the relationship. And I don't think I felt it as strongly as I did until I became a mother because I was still a daughter and she was still my mother, but I was now a mother and I didn't properly step into the mother role until I was able to let go of her being my mother in that way, because she'll always be my mother, but she no longer can mother me 
when I mother. Her job is to like stand next to me, walk with me as a mother, not to stand over me and tell me how to be a mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, let me do the kind of applause track. <laughs> uh, but I, and I know this is something that I talk about often with all of my friends and all of my mother friends is, is that dynamic with their mother. And it is, it's hard. And when I, I mean, I was still a child when I had my first baby. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, you know, kind of a baby having a baby. I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and it's funny. I, re- one of my favorite things that I do remember that I give my mom so much credit for is like, after I came home with my, with my baby, I was living with them and she was like, I'm not going to get up in the middle of the night. I'm going to do this one time. The first night that you're here one time, that's it. The rest of it, this is yours. This is your responsibility. You're going to take care of this baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was pissed at first and mm-hmm. I was like, but I was like, okay. And I honestly think it was like a kick in the butt that I needed for like mm-hmm. the realization that I was the mother. I was the mother. Mm-hmm. It was my turn, but it's still, but, but still, it was still years before I realized that I was, she needed to walk next to me mm-hmm. and I had to be the one to say it. Mm-hmm. And it was terrifying. And I'm sure it's really hard for grandparents oh, or yeah. grandmothers specifically to be able to stand back mm-hmm. and not mother mm-hmm. and watch your child make the mistakes or that you perceive as mistakes. They're not really mistakes. They're life lessons. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and, yeah. So I actually have been reading this book. I just started it. It's by, um, Chris, is that Christiane Northrup or is that Chris? Yeah, maybe Christiane. Yeah. Christiane Northrup. So anyway, anyone who's ever heard of her, she's like a uh, New York Times bestseller. She's really great. And she wrote this book called Mother Daughter Wisdom, Creating a Les- Legacy of Physical and Emotional Health. Um, so I actually got picked this up. My We were camping, RV camping somewhere. And it was one of those like, take a book, leave a book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just taking it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, this book is amazing. And so the other night when I was reading it, I actually had to go out and get a highlighter because I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so good. This is like, I can't just audio listen to it. I was like, cause you know how I feel about that. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I need to actually like Tip physically touch, it. touch yeah. it and, and write it down. So there was a couple excerpts from here that I wanted to share. Ooh, book club right now. I'm so excited. So I think you and I actually wanted to start a book club at one time. I know, um, I, I do, man. Like, do we still want to do that? We should do it, like in court, in, in coordinate. That's not the right word. Like with with a podcast. Oh, like oh, oh, that's a good one. So if anybody is into like reading books and or audiobooks or whatever, yeah. and you are interested, drop us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page because yeah. we're like book nerds. Okay, yes, so this is under maternal ambivalence, our cultural legacy. So this actually speaks. Which, by the way, can I just say? So she is an MD. Um, she is an op, she delivers babies. Okay. So she's the one that wrote this book. So it says, contrary to the myth, nurturing isn't an innate default setting in the human female. Mm. It is active and requires strength, stamina, will, intelligence, and determination. All of the qualities that we tend to associate with maleness. Mm -hmm. And yet, because femaleness has so long been seen as inferior to maleness, the work of nurturing and raising our young has also been degenerated. Oh, wow. Isn't that intense? That's really intense. And that's like, that's like really true. I mean, did you have baby, did you have PTSD, or not PTSD, did you have postpartum? Mm -hmm. I remember at one point, I don't remember which baby it was. I actually think it was Winnie. 
I remember not feeling close to her and I thought I was doing something wrong. Mm, mm -hmm. Like, like the whole thing that she said about the muscle. I just remember like being like, why am I not, I don't feel very nurturing right now. Mm -hmm. I feel very like disjointed for my daughter. And I was so excited to have a daughter. Mm -hmm. I, I just was like, I don't know. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, you and I have also talked too before about having a daughter. I know having a child, we're talking about, you know, motherhood today. So you could yeah. have a, a, a boy or a girl or whatever. Um, but having a girl mm. definitely, you know, um, changed everything. Cha yeah. I think if I had a boy, I might feel a little bit differently, but having a girl, yeah. I mean, that was just, I was like, Oh, so I'm going to be the example of what a mother is. I'm going to be the example of womanhood, womanhood. So like, do I have my stuff together? And the answer is no, no, but I think it's important. That's another thing too. I think that the biggest shift for me in the last few years was realizing my job as a parent wasn't to be a helicopter parent and to take care of them and to keep them safe like little porcelain dolls. My job as their parent was first of all, not to raise assholes, but like, I'm sorry, I'm kidding a little bit. No, my job as a parent was to teach my children about their emotions and about regulation and how to handle things and how to like have um, their own conscious thoughts and critical thinking like that's our job as parents is to guide them mm -hmm. not to like completely protect them like mm -hmm. of course we're there to protect them but we also need to guide them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, so you're it's almost like being a north star as opposed to like you know being the actual vehicle in which they you know yes. get there yeah um it's the biggest disservice i think that you can do for a child mm. is to do everything for them mm -hmm. like how what the hell are they gonna do when they're adults you mm -hmm. know what i mean you're still gonna be holding their hand and carrying things out for them and then i think that just builds resentment Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think I, that ties into the martyrdom um, yeah. key as well. So, okay, awesome. There is one other quote in here that I thought was really relevant. Um, and I think this has to do with, this taps into like when I started going to therapy when I became a new mom. And it'll make more sense, I think, once I read it. So it says, the truth is a part of me had always felt that I had to prove myself in order to be loved. So like many women, I overgave both to my daughters and to my husband. I fell into the pattern easily enough, given that motherhood and sacrifice are nearly synonymous in our culture. I'm going to read that last part for the people in the back. Given that motherhood and sacrifice are nearly synonymous in our mm -hmm. culture. So what you were saying before, too, there's not this expectation for men. Like, oh, no, men are watching the baby. Oh, you're so lucky your husband watches the baby. Like, Is he babysitting right now? So who's babysitting your kids if you're out here doing this thing for yourself? Yeah, no. Oh. Yeah. So um, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, um, yeah, dad should be coming home mm -hmm. if you, unless you're, you know, maybe you're a single mom and your situation's mm -hmm. different. But if you're not and you're in a relationship and you're a stay-at-home mom or a working mom, it does not matter. That partner needs to be there or should be there, mm -hmm. you know, in the ways to give you the break that mm -hmm. you need. I mean, we don't have the village that you were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Our society does not why we don't have it is irrelevant. We don't have it. Don't. So if we're not finding community to help with our own physical and emotional and spiritual needs as moms, our cup is not full to give to our children. So mm -hmm. where do we get that? How do we find that? And if you ask for it, it's almost as if, you know, it's like you're, you're being accused of being selfish. Selfish. Yeah. Well, what about your kids? Where are your kids? Like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I also, um, we have to get over our own stuff too. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of like, <clears throat> cause we're talking about like gender roles and all that stuff. But 
PS, like there's a lot of misogyny in motherhood. Like that's like mm-hmm. just ingrained, but that's a whole. <laughs> but um, like my partner and I, um, we share what I guess are considered gender roles within the household when it comes to parenting. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, we've had a conversation recently about how I didn't want to be just because I was a woman and I had a vagina. I didn't want to be the default person to do like the household chores. Um, and I was getting frustrated that he would ask me what he needed to do. What can I do to help around the house? Like I'm not the manager of the house. That's mm-hmm. not my role. Um, so like, but it really was just like, he just needed to have like a thing. Like That's clear his communication. Brain. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I definitely think that that happens often. And, and even though like we had a conversation and things were worked out, I still in my mind was like, but that's my job. So like I was feeling guilty if I ever had to ask or to say something or like to give him something to do as far as like a parenting situation or like around the house. Mm -hmm. So as much as like, yes, a lot of this is perpetuated within society. It's also our own stuff because of what we were like literally force fed, like Mm -hmm. growing up, like that's our job. Like you said, like I was supposed to come home and do the dishes and make dinner. Like that was my job. Oh, after taking care of the children all day and after, uh, or working or whatever you're doing in it. Yeah. Um, which actually, so you had said before about, I think you had tapped into like generational. Ooh, Encanto. I'm sorry. Every time someone talks about it, I'm like, have you seen Encanto? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was so excited to show that to May and she could care less about it. I'm meanwhile downloaded the soundtrack and listened to it in my flower studio. That's right. Oh my gosh. Balling. I I went to the theater and like, I know that it was on Disney plus, but like the little short they put before the film, I had no idea what this movie was about. So they put the short up, which is literally about generational trauma and I'm sobbing. (laughs) And Mark is like, are you okay? And then when he's like, why are you crying? I'm like, no, I'm like, this is, I'm like, that was was generational trauma. Like he's like, no, it's not you're thinking too much and then we watched the whole fucking movie and then I was like this entire movie <laughs> is about generational trauma and like the toxicity in some motherhood situations like that needs to be talked about more like that's literally what Abuela's like whole character arc is okay so like even Disney is picking up on yes. what some of our societal changes or what societal changes could really benefit the yeah. next generation yeah. even Disney Disney. Disney. I know. And like they've had done some really problematic things in the past that I was really impressed. I was like really, cause it's, it's just so true. Like I was talking mm-hmm. about toxic family situations, which I think stems from like the, the motherhood role that like we place on ourselves or is placed on us. And then like we end up making it something that may not be healthy because of our martyrdom. Like <laughs> yes. I have to sacrifice myself and then we build resentment against the people that never asked us to sacrifice ourselves, mm-hmm. like against our children or our partner. Like they didn't say, I need you to do all of these things. I mean, sure, sometimes that does happen. But I think a lot of times as women in general, we're like terrified to ever ask for help mm. because then we're being selfish. Or it we're shows lazy. that we're not capable of doing it ourselves, yeah. but we were never built to do it ourselves. Ever. Ever. Right. So yeah, to put, to put those things. So this is actually taps into the generational, um, you know, uh, mothering trauma. But at the end of my first book, uh, women's bodies, women's wisdom, I wrote, we carry in our own bodies, not only our own pain, but that of our mothers and grandmothers. However, however, unconsciously. Oh my God. I literally just got chills. 
I don't know if you've ever heard this before, like the first time I heard this little tidbit because it kind of, it totally relates to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I carried Winnie in my womb and she had all of the eggs that she had that she's going to have. Yes. So I, in turn, was also carrying my grandchildren. Yes. I I had read that when I was pregnant, and it blew my mind. Yeah. I'm like, I'm carrying my, if, of course, my, okay. So that's another thing. If my daughter yes. wants to have that's children, yes. bearing children is not the be-all, end-all to being a woman. It is not another thing perpetuated by society for years. <laughs> that's all. And the patriarchy. I'm just saying. So can we just say also, too, so like for lesbian or gay couples right Mm -hmm. um so they decide to have a donor egg Mm -hmm. and have a baby and I feel like a lot of times there's this misconception that you know people look at the the partner that carried the baby as like oh you're the mother yeah well no the other partner is just Mm -hmm. as big of a parent Mm -hmm. whether they biologically carry that child or not Mm -hmm. and so with like a transgender male that gives birth as well yes yeah yeah and so um you know, they actually, I was telling you this before, but there's something on Netflix and I don't remember the name of the, of the show, but they were doing basically a, a documentary on that. And they were showing that the, um, biology of the brain. So like if you did not actually carry a child, but you took care of the child, what you dressed them, you fed them, you took care of their emotional and physical mm-hmm. needs and all the things that the parts of your brain that would have been ignited, if you will, um, by carrying the child still happens in your yeah. brain, even if you didn't carry the child. Mm-hmm. So, so what, adoption too. So adoption, fostering. fostering. Yep. Um, so you are still biologically. Mm-hmm. So even though you're not necessarily carried the child, you're still biologically tied to the child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a misconception about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so like going back to um, what you were saying, those, the expert from the, from the book about carrying the trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the the best things I did as a parent, and we've talked about this often, was breaking generational trauma, which is literally what Encanto is all about. Mm. And like the short before the film, if you have not seen the short before Encanto film, I highly recommend you finding it. I don't remember what it's called, but, um, and I think everybody has it in their own way because as generations grow and as like people grow as humans and like, you know, all of that and time goes by, like things change in society and norms and all of that. And I think that reflecting on what your wants and needs are as a parent and what you want to see happen mm. and maybe breaking free of like things that with what you grew up with. I think being the biggest thing you can do as a parent is reflecting on the things that you went through in your experiences and then trying to create a better experience for your children. Mm -hmm. Um, but so for me, I feel like the best way to be a mother Mm -hmm. to my daughter is to parent my inner child, Mm -hmm. which that inner child talk in the lingo. I remember years ago, I was like, what, what kind of lingo is this? What is this Mm -hmm. inner child? Like, crap that they're talking about like, in psychology or therapy or whatever and you don't have to go to therapy to necessarily parent yourself it's just it's like self-care taken to another mm-hmm. level really is yeah. is kind of my understanding of it and um yeah so the, uh, there was also something we talked about before this podcast so um and it, it, it's relevant to parenting ourselves and our children so um if we 
are to be a mama bear to our children. Mm -hmm. So like when I say mama bear, if someone is doing something to hurt our child psychologically, physically, mentally, whatever, uh, our mama bear comes out. That's instinctual. That's biological. That is there to protect our young. So if we're doing that for our children, why are we not doing that for our inner child? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. Why are we not mama bear mm-hmm. to our own mm-hmm. self that has been? So I also would love to say too that this is not, I know we talked about like motherhood and stuff like that. This is not a blame game. No, no, no. no. I like, I, I feel like I need to say this. Like I know that my mom and that her mom and the mom before her were doing with what they knew. Like, you do the best with we, what you we, have. With, yes. And I, and I understand that. And we've had so many conversations about this. Um, and I don't hold resentment like towards the things that had happened. Like it was just the situation that we were in and that's what happened. And like, I think it's important to have those conversations if you're comfortable with your parents, but also understanding that in some situations they won't be as understanding and like, Mm -hmm. it might end up being you just being gaslit the entire time. And that's might happen, Mm -hmm. but it might be something that your inner, your personal inner child needs in order to move forward as a parent. Um, and this is no longer about me going, you know, it, it, it's about me being a better mom. Yeah. Can I, can I tell a story? Yeah. I, like, I, don't, I have emotional. no idea how much time I feel like we have been, we're not in an hour yet. So we're okay. okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> also like when we get like really into these topics, is it like, okay, to do like two parts maybe? Yeah. We could totally do two parts. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the beauty, beautiful things about this podcast is that we did not want to, come into it like yeah we got some bullet notes yeah Mm. we did a little bit of research on a book but I don't want to come in here you know and we want to show up authentically as who we are and just let things happen organically so anyway I feel like we kind of want to talk how we always do anyway like this is literally how we have conversations like we just have a microphone in front of us yeah no exactly um but yeah no I'd love to hear your story Sarah please I'm pretty sure I told you the story already and I might get emotional but um because we're talking about generational trauma and it just kind of like hit me but um, so when I started doing therapy with the therapist that we both use, who's amazing, <clears throat> um, she has us work with our inner child. So when we, when we bring up hard things from our past, um, she doesn't want us to directly like see them as they are like now, like she doesn't want us to experience them now. She wants us to, she always says like, how old were you when you experienced that? Like how, how old is she? What does she look like? That, that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that, and then I started journaling, um, to myself as a child during all of these different experiences. So like if the child was four or six or eight or whatever, um, I would like write letters to her and kind of like have this separate sort of visual of that Sarah Jane at the time. Um, and then I would, um, work through that and, um, There was a moment, I, I want to say this is a few months ago, so when he's six, um, and she's always been a little mama, like, she's just literally, like, she thinks baby May is hers. Uh, <laughs> she does. <laughs> she does. Um, and uh, her dad just recently had a baby, and she literally cried when she met him for the first time. She Aww. was so excited. <laughs> anyway, so there was this thing that was happening Um for me. I don't specifically remember what it was, but it was a very hard thing that was happening, I think, as a parent. Um, I was experiencing some, some turbulence, I guess, and I was having a really hard time and, um, I, I, I was really sad. I was really sad and I was really hurting. And one of the things that I always felt like was missing for me as a kid was like, my mom just didn't really have that in her, like to hold me. 
And I lo- always love to snuggle my children. Like, that's our thing. We have a snuggle couch. We, like, they know that they're going to get up and snuggle with me in the morning. See me now. She's like, oh. um, anyway, so I was putting the kids to bed, and I always sing to them before bed. Like, I sing a song that my grandpa used to sing to me, and I, like, rub their back and stuff. And when he could tell that I was hurting, and she was like, Mama, are you okay? And I was like, no, Mama's kind of sad right now. And she's like, okay. She's like, come here. And then she laid on her back and she opened her arms to me. And then she, she told me, she patted her chest and told me to put my head on her chest. And I did. And she sang to me and she rubbed my back and she played with my hair. And it was like a full circle, beautiful moment of my daughter mothering me because I needed it. And it was like, I, and Mark was there and he was sobbing in the corner <laughs> and I was, you know, crying and she was just like, shh, it's okay, mama. And she was just like, she was being my mother in that moment. And it was, and, and, and it was such a, like a, an eye opening. I did it. Like I broke that. I broke that part of me that was really hurt. And I let, I had to mother myself in order to get to a place where I think my daughter was able to see that within me to be able to do that for me. Does that make sense? So that was, um, I can't even (laughs) breathe. I'm listening to this story. I can't even (laughs) breathe. So, um, that was, um, that was a really beautiful moment as a mother. And it was like one of those things that I, I was just like, wow. Okay. It was kind of, it was beautiful. Do you think in that moment, maybe the Sarah who had not taken her journey on reparenting herself or the Sarah from maybe five or 10 years ago would have been able to actually tell your daughter one, that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Or do you think maybe you would have been like, Oh nope, everything's fine. Mama's fine. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine. Don't worry about it. I'm supposed to mother you, but you weren't and you were vulnerable with your Mm -hmm. child and you were honest with your child Mm -hmm. and they sense when we're honest and when we're not, they Mm -hmm. know like, you know, it's okay. It's okay to tell your child, like, I'm not okay right now. Like, I'm not saying put your adult issues on your child. But what I'm saying is, like, to be vulnerable with your Mm -hmm. child and to show your children how you work through the things Mm -hmm. and to show them that emotion's okay. Yes. And also, too, that she was probably mothering you the way that you mother her. Yeah. Like, she was basically... um mirroring what I do for her when she's upset and I think and you're so right I for like four years ago I never would have told her that something was wrong and I just I'm a very visual person like the way that I see things I just I literally visually have to see them in order to understand dynamics and I just remember like her holding me and singing to me and like rubbing my hair and I for a minute I thought I was four I know and I was like, and it's almost like I could visually see like that part of me that I had been writing to for four years and going and talking about in therapy that just needed to be held so badly. I was finally being held in that way by my daughter. And it was just like, it, and it's something that I constantly was talking to my therapist about. Like I couldn't understand why I kept coming back to this four-year-old and I, and I needed that moment. And that moment never would have happened if I wasn't able to like let go of the martyrdom and like having to be the all, the person all the time. And I allowed myself to be vulnerable and open with my daughter, which made her be who she is. And also gave her something in understanding empathy and emotions mm. and how to like care for people. 
like it was something so simple, but like, I, I feel like when we're trying to be everything and not show who we are to our children, um, we're doing them a disservice. We are, we are. And so, yeah. I feel like if you're listening to this right now and you're not bawling your freaking <laughs> eyes out, something's wrong with you. Like I'm over here, like red eyed, she's crying. Um, yeah, this is where we're at when we're talking about about motherhood yeah. it's a beautiful thing it is it is so beautiful it is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life mm-hmm. it is the hardest role I've ever taken on but it's also the most beautiful thing I've I've we had this conversation like a pivot a little bit like a few weeks ago like with I've like one foot in heaven one foot in hell like sometimes I'm so frustrated and angry with my children I don't want like literally I want to strangle them like not literally but you know mm-hmm. like, I'm so frustrated but I also want to hug them and hold them and be like everything's going to be okay mm. it's like experiencing this amazing thing but also sometimes it can be experiencing the hardest thing you've ever done at the same time it's like such a weird juxtaposition yeah th- yeah mm. that's a really good point that's like motherhood and it encompassed yes. <laughs> its wholeness right yeah so I would like to ask Google what yeah. does Google think a good mother is? So when I say Google, what I mean is probably society, right? Cause oh, absolutely. Right? You can find an article on anything, though. So the top qualities of a good mom. Be a good role model. <laughs> so being so to be a good role model, that means that you... To be a good role model, that means that you need to actually like show them your faults, too. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Right. Yeah. It's not a facade. No. Um, it's not, I'm perfect, and I'm going to show you how to be perfect. It's, I'm human, and let me show you how to be human. And letting your children, can I just say, mm, having the, being their own, letting them be their own person with their own belief system, with mm. their own thoughts and opinions. And if they're different than yours, it doesn't mean you parented them wrong. No. It means that you parented a human. Right. Parents, <laughs> I, like, I don't want to say correctly, but allowing someone to be who they are. Like imagine telling someone, and this is this was my experience as a child. Imagine telling someone who they are their entire life, and then one day they realize that they're not the person you told them to be, but they don't know how to be any different. Yeah. That's, that's what you're doing to your child when you're not allowing them to like be exactly who they are fully encompass what their curiosities are what their desires are of course with like in the realms of safety like of course you know like you have to make sure your child is safe but if they want to do or express themselves in a way that's not harming them like physically or why not like who Mm -hmm. is it who is it hurting Mm -hmm. But, but I think that there's this misconception that there's like this one way to do it and once we learn the one way to do it and then we share it like that's being a, people might associate that with being a good mom. Like I need to figure out life and then I'm going to pass. Once I figure out life, I'm going to. So if you know what life right is, now. can you please share that with like, you know, so I think that some, you know, everyone's life experience is different. Like yeah. you have to, you know, like go by all that. Like I, I actually was thinking about this on the way over here, like how different my life is now than it was five years ago is like, but which is also changed with the way that I parent. Mm-hmm. The way that I'm a mother, like the way that I see things are so vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and being okay with changing that as a mother as well, like mm-hmm. being okay, like being comfortable with admitting when you've done something wrong, especially to your child, which can be really hard sometimes, mm-hmm. um, is I think a part of being a good mother. I've made a promise to my daughter um when she was born she's not gonna know because it was (laughs) something that I did she might know if she ever listens to this years and years later um but that I will always apologize when I am wrong Mm -hmm. 
And I don't care if she's, you know, two or 20. Um, if I lose my temper and I might yell, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry, May. Mama didn't mean to yell. Mm-hmm. And that ha- actually happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were do- making something in the kitchen and I had gotten really frustrated because she kept sticking her hands in raw egg. I mean, come on. That's, a- that's annoying, right? It's not safe technically. <laughs> like if she licks it's it. It's not like, safe, right? Yeah. So I don't want my child getting salmonella. Right. So, but I, and I got really frustrated um, about the third time because we had to keep washing our hands and I'm trying to make dinner and the whole thing. And I, and I got frustrated and I yelled. And, you know, I could see it in her face um, that she was like, oh, Yelled. So we washed our hands off and I had taken her back and we're continuing cooking. And I said, May, mama shouldn't have yelled. She mm-hmm. lost her temper and I love you and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And she gave me a hug and yeah, she gave me a little kiss cool. on the leg. Yeah. And she, and she's too, she can't verbalize these right. things, but I think they can feel it. But you're also like exemplifying to her, like what should happen when you're in the wrong. And so now she's going to understand that that's what she's supposed to do as well. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there was like a TikTok I saw that I don't remember what it was. They were talking about why are we holding higher standards for our children than we are for ourselves? Like mm-hmm. if a child is upset about wanting to take out the garbage because it's a task they don't enjoy doing and they might be a little huffy about taking out the garbage, let them fucking huff. Like mm-hmm. you do tasks that you don't enjoy and I'm sure you have too. Like, why are you like expecting your child to be like perfect mm-hmm. like all the time when you're not a perfect human? Oh my God. I freaking love that. That's yeah. amazing. Okay. Let's move on to the next one here. Yes. So set boundaries and rules. These Ooh. again, just a reminder, according to Google, these yeah. are the top qualities of a good mom, setting boundaries and rules. Yes. Um, so, oh, I love that. But I'm like, I am still learning how to set boundaries in my life. No, me too. I, and I think that boundaries are... Boundaries are usually non-negotiable or like mm-hmm. for personal boundaries for yourself and what you need. But I think that um, with the rules, rules can be changed and altered. But I think some of them are non-negotiable mm-hmm. with, with parenting. That's the hugest difference. Like, no, I understand that I told you that we could communicate and have a discussion about something that makes you uncomfortable, but I can still say no. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is a, this is the mother of a teenager speaking right now. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, talking to your child and saying, if it's something that makes you uncomfortable, we can definitely have a conversation. Absolutely. That's fine. So you can have that conversation, but your answer might still be no at the end of it. If it, if it's a rules or safety thing, mm-hmm. do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, okay. So another one is, oh, so actually going back to the boundary thing. So it's actually for me setting boundaries with my daughter about myself. So like she sometimes in the evening, um, and sometimes it's really cute. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just need my space, but like she crawls all over me. Like I will literally be sitting on the couch and I'll be like, okay, we're going to watch, we call it daddy show, whatever mommy and daddy want to watch. And she will crawl on me and she will elbow me and her foot will like hit me in the eye. And I'm like, may no, like, no, this is not the way that you're acting towards mommy right now is not okay. So mm-hmm. you can, be next to mommy and you can read your books and you can do all that like you know play with your stuffed animal I'll even chat with you whatever but like crawling all over me mm-hmm. is like and so other moms might be like oh I love that and that's totally fine and I don't mind and it yeah. but that's a boundary for me right that's like my own personal space and mm-hmm. like no you can't invade my own personal space like at this very moment just because you want to right um so what's that teaching your daughter yeah, for boundaries. her to like learn how to do on her own too. Yeah, and that's definitely something that because I, I didn't start doing that the boundary thing until like a few years ago, and now like Winnie and Jackson like will literally have conversations with each other. Be like, I set a boundary and you crossed it. 
yeah. So Winnie and Jackson, can I just say, are so cute. They've come with you like on some photo shoots you've done with our family and they are just so like they hug and they love each other. They are just so amazing. Um, okay. So the third one is be respectful. That's a top quality of being a good mom. Be respectful. So I, I think that's very broad. It does. But I, I think I would interpret that as give your child respect if you want respect. Yeah. Like that's where I go with it. Yeah. Well, where, uh, well, do you believe that respect is a given right or it's earned? A little of both. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody deserves to have respect from you, but at the same time, like especially in a parent child situation, I think that respect needs to be understood and earned in order to have, um, freedom, I guess, like trust, trust, like to have trust within a relationship and a relationship dynamic and learning about that trust and respect, especially when they're older and they can have more responsibility and all of those parts of parenting. Um, yeah, Mm. especially with the way parenting is now. Yeah. I feel like there's, um, you have actually been called this before. Mm -hmm. Can, can you say what it is? What? the what type of mom if you're like really loosey-goosey mom oh <laughs> I've been called a crunchy mom like so which is funny because oh it's funny because there's actually a whole account on TikTok about crunchy mom crunchy mom like the actual term is like someone that like like something things that are very natural and they're vegan and like all that like that's generally what it means but I, I know that it's being used as a derogatory mark towards me in the sense that I am like foo-foo with my kids feelings and I let them decide things for themselves which apparently is a bad characteristic because I like want my children to have their own freedom um you want your children to have their own thoughts and opinions right because and that makes you crunchy right it makes me that's fine you can fucking call me a crunchy mom I'm cool with that Mm -hmm. like it's like I I guess that part of my parenting and being a mother came from not being able to have my own thoughts and opinions Mm. and then like which made me extremely outspoken mm-hmm. as a child. Like, like not, not like a child child, but then like, I mean, I'm, this is another episode too. Like with, like with, with religion, we're in a very strict religious household and like church. And I never agree. I didn't never agreed with a lot of things that were happening. And I was very outspoken about it. And that mm-hmm. became a problem, which made it m- more wanting to squash more of like my light. Um, I think I that's interesting that, that you refer to it as a problem. Right. Oh, I know. Like, why is being myself a problem? Because it didn't fit in somebody else's expectations. So or narrative exactly. or belief system. So then I started living my life by having to be fulfilled. I, would, I could only be fulfilled personally and in relationships if I was fulfilling other person's other people's expectations. It's called codependency, people. Yes. That's where it is born from. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the next one. So top qualities of a good mom, be supportive and loving. I agree with that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. And I think, um, with that being said, I, I think being able to tell someone that you're proud of them without it being an expect, like for something small that they do, like with your kids so that you're showing them love, support and appreciation not just when they're doing things that are good like that that are inherently known as good like they got an a on a test or something just like little things so it's not like an ingrained thing oh if i do this thing or get this good grade or i sell at this thing then they're gonna say oh you're doing a good job like almost consistently Mm -hmm. i'm so proud of you thank Mm -hmm. you so much for like cutting up 
peanut butter sandwiches for your sister. That was really nice. Mm. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So rather than, um, you know, getting praised for these high achievement type yes. goals that you get praised, you know, not overly praised, but right. you're getting like a thank you yeah. for thank doing you for something. Fl- thank you for putting the toilet seat down. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's helpful to everybody in the family. Oh my God. I love that. That's so cool. Um, okay. So be patient. So I'm going to go through the next three real quickly. I'm just going to say them all at the same time. So be patient. (laughs) I am so sorry. I mean, I understand that that's definitely a thing. I feel like that's where most of my like regulation of myself comes in is like where I'm forcing myself to be patient when I want to scream at the mountaintops. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's a good characteristic to have, but let's like, it's not, you're not going to be patient hundred percent of the time. No, no. Patient and perfectionism. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So no, patient. Um, Especially patience. You get like a really big dose of of, uh, knowledge around patience as a toddler. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, Okay. Forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it actually gets a lot harder when they get older. Mm -hmm. And when you start seeing yourself and your child as a teenager. Fuck. Like, nobody warned you for that. No. But yes, forgiveness. Like, forgiveness for yourself, too. It's not even just, like, forgiving. It's not forgiving a child. Like you need to forgive yourself for the stuff that you did that, like, may have been really hard for you to experience the way that you yelled at them or raised your voice or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Forgiving yourself um, for messing up. Because we're going to. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good um, point on forgiveness. And then the last one is quality time. Yes. Which, what does that mean, Becky? Does that mean that like the minute that my child wakes up, I'm going to fix them pancakes and waffles with fruit and with flaxseed. And then also like we're going (laughs) to, we're going to use the little cookie cutters and it's going to be so perfect. And then we're going to do a science experiment. And then Mm -hmm. do you get my point? Like what, what does quality time mean? Mm, Yeah. So I think if someone wants to do that and be that, mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. And that's what their definition of quality time is. But my definition of quality time is being as present with her as I can when I can. So what does that mean? So like um, right now, I'm not in my busy season. So our schedule looks different depending on the time of year. Mm-hmm. And right now we do mommy and May Mondays. That's what mm-hmm. we call it. So I actually took her this past Monday. Um, we were supposed to go to the library, but it was closed because of President's Day. So I took her to the local coffee shop that I do flowers for all the time. And I got myself a latte and I got her a macaroon. And we sat down and they have. Um, I got her a little glass of water. She was so stinking cute. I like put her up on the couch and she was like, everyone was like, oh, it's like they were going by. But it was like teaching her how to like be out in the world yeah. around other people. And just so she sat there with her macaroon and her little glass of water. And she waved to everybody and talked to people as they went by. And we were just super friendly. So then we went and we moved our way over to the playground. And, you know, she was with other kids and you know that kind of thing and then so um reading books to her at night um to me like even if I'm not with her all day we my husband and I have chosen to have a nanny which is a lot more expensive than daycare not Mm -hmm. everybody can do that but Mm -hmm. since we could that's what we decided to do so and she's inside right now I actually just ran upstairs before this podcast and they are reading library books because she's doing a thousand books before kindergarten so um the quality time that I have with her, even in the evenings when I'm really burnt out and tired and just the quality, if it's just taking a bath, Mm -hmm. 
mommy and may are taking a bath together mm-hmm. and then after that i may have to go crash yeah but like we can crash together and snuggle and watch movies but i feel like if i am inside or not if i am watching her 24 7 and i have these other dreams and desires happening mm-hmm. it's so it that's where the martyrdom comes in mm-hmm. and all those things so the time so i can have room for both in my life i not can i do have room mm-hmm. for both in my life my child you know, in the morning we snuggle, like daddy is not there in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always her and I, so she'll crawl into bed with me and we snuggle for at least 20 minutes to a half hour before we get up every morning. And to me, that is more valuable than just like sitting there doing dishes while she's watching TV, like, right. or, or doing chores. And I'm not saying that's only what stay at home moms do. That's not what I'm saying. But like for me, like that is the quality time that, yeah. So that but I think quality time is measured by how you measure it. I actually, like, you know, everybody has their own definition of what that means. That I actually saw there was a study that said that, like, for our children and for their brain development and for the, how their brain and, like, their mental capacity or emotional capacity measures closeness with, especially in toddlers, is an hour a day, like, with your child. It's, it's like, it, it raises the, like, brain functions for them to feel closeness and, and community. And then also for us to kind of have that connection. Like, it doesn't need to be. If that's what you want to do, cool. But it doesn't need to be, like, eight hours every day. So when I come in from a long day of work, and so we have our snuggle time in the morning, and we do all the things, like, on my days off and stuff like that. But when I come in in the evening, it's mommy, 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 mommy. Yeah. And I so love that time mm-hmm. from, like, 5 o'clock till, like, 8 o'clock of just her and I just, like, mm-hmm. it, and it makes it fun for me. Like, I'm having fun doing this because I'm – my cup is getting full. Yeah. So I am loving the quality time yeah. and I'm able to give her more. And even though sometimes I might be physically tired because, mm-hmm. you know, work is taxing, but the emotional connection that I have with her is um, fulfilling our quality time in a way that otherwise might not be if I'm just going through the motions and sleepwalking. Right, exactly. And and um, <clears throat> defining quality time, I think this was, this was my biggest lesson when I became a working mom from a stay-at-home mom um, was, and then what, after my ex and I separated and all that, like what I said earlier about working only when they're like not there, this last year was the first time that I was like, I can no longer do that. Because mentally, I'm exhausted when they come back. I need like a full day of recovery where I don't want anyone near me or touching me. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I, I was starting to resent them. Um, they were doing nothing wrong. But I was resenting the fact that like I, I literally couldn't stop thinking about what I had to do on those days that they weren't there. Mm. And then I was like exhausted and they just wanted to be near me and around me. And I was done. Like I was socially, emotionally, and mentally done. My cup was completely empty and nothing to give to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm realizing that like, just because they're at my house doesn't mean I have to be like right next to them every minute of every day. And mm-hmm. that's actually helped a lot mm-hmm. in the last few months. Probably made you feel a lot more at ease too. So you don't feeling like you have to be the helicopter mom and they probably pick up on your um easiness yeah there was Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure I was put in which was an expectation I put on myself nobody else put it there they didn't ask that of me Mm -hmm. I was just putting it there because I thought that I was doing them a disservice because I wasn't I wasn't there 100% of the time and that's another thing too in the dynamic of motherhood like I totally feel and there for all you moms out there that are sharing custody um with a partner like an ex-partner 
um, it's hard. It is so hard. And I never, that was my biggest fear when uh, my ex and I were separating and divorcing was that I was always everything for them, like all the time, like from the minute they were all born. Um, and I just started working and then all of a sudden I was not going to be, I, we totally had this conversation. I was like, what, what does it even mean to be a mom 50% of the time? And you were like, you're a mom a hundred percent of the time, just because they're not there. Does it mean Aww. that you're not a mom? I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, so if you, if that's something that you also are going through as a mother, I completely feel for you. And I understand it is so hard. It's like this weird, like, like Wednesdays are days they go back to their dads. And I'm like, I get excited because I like have moments for myself. But then like an hour later, I'm like, crying like -hmm. you know it's been almost three years now and I'm still it's still really hard for me so I totally feel for you and I understand like what you're going through in that and trying to co-parent co-parenting sucks like it's not awful like it's gotten a lot better but um and I feel very lucky I think that we have a pretty decent co-parenting relationship but it's hard it is really hard to not be able to be that person for them all the time like and letting go of situations that happen when they're not with you. Um, so anyway, that was a little off track, but no, I just really wanted to. No, I think that out. I think that definitely addresses um, as you know a lot of people out there. I'm sure absolutely appreciate that um, and can identify with that. And needed to hear that. Some somebody out there, I hope needed to hear that. Yeah, yeah, me too. So all right, um, yeah. I feel like um, you know. We can wrap up our episode. Yeah. There's so much more we can talk about motherhood, but I think that that could be a whole other episode. Yeah. We might actually have to do another motherhood episode at some point in time. I have a guest speaker. Ooh. Anyone in mind in particular? I, I have a few. I don't know if I, I don't want to drop names. But okay. Don't name drop. No. Keep it suspenseful. I think that we should have somebody on as a stay-at-home mom and then have somebody on as like, you know, a different type of mother mm-hmm. or like something like that. Okay. <clears throat> You're on maybe a... Do I dare I say non-traditional mother? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I agree with that. Awesome. So guys, thanks so much for joining us yeah, today. I um, appreciate it. And I just want to say too that we've been getting a lot of really positive feedback yeah. from people on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you guys so much. We're, as long as you show up, we'll show up. Yeah. And even absolutely. if you don't show up, we still might show up. Yeah. Because we just love doing this. Because Sarah, well, we're always, we're just, we're going to talk. And yeah. We'll and it's kind of making, giving us an excuse that we have to see each other every week. So. <laughs> That's actually really cool. Um, So you can also, you can follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. You can drop a comment below and tell us some of the topics that you want to talk about. Um, We will be on Apple Podcasts soon, right? Yes, hopefully. It's a much longer process. Yeah, but until then, um, you can, Sarah, you do all the techie stuff. Where can I find us? (laughs) You can find us on Spotify, and we do have a website that hosts all of our um, podcasts so we can listen there um and we will be um on youtube and stuff when it's once i get all that part taken care of so if you want to listen and you can't listen i I don't know how you would even hear this because (laughs) 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 just let us know (laughs) but it was great to like kind of talk about this part of the fragmented pieces of us because this is such a huge part of your and my life yeah so again fragmented and motherhood is a piece of one of those pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. So we'll see you guys next well, hear you guys, talk to you guys next week. Well well, if you're on YouTube, both. All yeah. right. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks guys so much. Um thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Peace out.